All right, you are listening to a special episode of the 29 Steps podcast. I'm here with a special guest, Andy Puttycomb, who is the CEO of Headspace. Andy, did I even come close to saying it right? I mean, you you did. I do okay. just okay. have to clarify one thing, though. I'm not the CEO of Headspace. <laughs> I am the founder of Headspace. I'm the co-founder of Headspace. My good friend, um, Rich Pearson, um, and business partner, is, is the CEO. I feel really um, bad that I just demoted Rich. Well, (laughs) you come on a podcast podcast and he gets demoted. (laughs) It's not, it's not a first time. And he's, you know, we, we, it's an interesting relationship. You know, we, we met, we met almost 12 years ago to start working on, on Headspace. And we have always come out like we are so tight. We're such close friends and we just have complementary skill sets, very different skill sets, but complementary. So he kind of goes and does his thing. And he won't let, he doesn't let me near that, rightly so. I do my thing. He doesn't get too involved in that. And we, we, we're actually very happy working together. All right. Well, I'm glad that he hopefully still feels that way. So for anyone who might be listening and who has heard of Headspace but isn't entirely sure what it is, just give us an overview of, of, of what is Headspace. Yeah, so we, you know, we think of ourselves as a, as a platform for mindful living. So most people, when they think about mindfulness, they think of meditation. And I think... Headspace has been best known for our meditation app um, over the most sort of, you know, more recent years. Um, we've become better known for sort of sleep um, integration, um, also for, for mindfulness in movement, um, for mindfulness in eating. So I think more and more people are starting to understand that mindfulness is more than just taking some time out each day to close your eyes. It's like how we show up in our life, in our relationships, for our work, in every kind of part of our life. So our job is to try and make those tools as available and as accessible as we can for each and every person around the world. Yeah. And at a time like this, I can't think of something that's more important. And we'll get to that in just a second. But you said you guys started working together, I think you said 12 years ago. So tell me your story. How did how did the, how did this whole thing happen? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's not your average um, found a story. Um, my background was as a, as a Buddhist monk. Um, and Rich was in new brand development, sort of creative marketing. Um, I'd gone back to the UK and had started working in private practice in a clinic, seeing people one-to-one. And I was starting to think about kind of, okay, how do I take this beyond the clinic sort of into workplaces, even back then? Um, and Rich kind of, you know, we got together, we got on really well, and he had a really positive experience of meditation. And he'd actually being, you know, he'll say himself, he was kind of burnt out in his own workplace and had, didn't know how to kind of deal with that. And the sort of response, the benefits from, med- from meditation was so strong um, that he was convinced that there was something kind of here. So we started talking about it and for about a year, we sort of threw the idea back and forth. Um, and then we, we sort of formally launched Headspace back in spring of 2010. Now, you said he was burnt out which I think a lot of people can relate to right now for a lot of reasons. And I just had a conversation with uh, a few people at Microsoft talking about what I think is a really interesting and unique partnership that Headspace has right now with their Microsoft Teams product and, and some things they're trying to do to help give tools to businesses to, to like actually make this wellness and mental health thing happen can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, so yeah, look, for us, it's a really exciting partnership. I think 
trying to, for us always, it's like, how do we reach people where they are? And up to now, obviously, it's been kind of meeting people on their phones, because that's where people are most of the time. I think now more than ever, people are kind of feel like they're at work, even if they're not necessarily, you know, uh, engaged in their working day, work and home life are now sort of bled into to one another. And Satya and I were, were talking about this the other day, kind of, the assumption, I think always there's been a bit of sort of uh, delusion in the sense that kind of we separate our, our work life and our home life as though our mind from home, we just like leave it at home and then we go to work and we pick up our working mind. And, and likewise, at the end of the day, like we can just leave our mind at work and then go home. These two things are not separate, kind of. Uh, it has always been that way. And I think what's happening now, we are seeing that more than ever. We're seeing kind of how our work life bleeds into our home life and how our personal life kind of bleeds into our work life. So I'm really excited always to find new ways to integrate these tools into people's workflow, into their working day, whether it's at the start of the day, the idea of a commute, not that that many people are commuting at the moment, um, whether it's during the day, finding kind of moments of natural pause throughout the, the working day, um, or at the end of the day, trying to help people kind of refresh, rewind, relax, so that they can actually go home and be more present with their family, with their friends or, or on their own, you know? So yeah, I think it's a, it's a really exciting opportunity to reach a lot more people. So I have, you talked about family. I have four children, all of whom are trying to do virtual school. So you can imagine things are a little stressful around here. How, how old are they? <laughs> oh, that's not fair. That's, <laughs> that's good. No. So 12, 10, eight and six. There you go. I did it. <laughs> But uh, that's a lot. Yeah, it is. And thankfully, my wife is a superhero, but she's also a nurse. So she doesn't she's she has to work occasionally right out of the home. So I can, though I've worked remotely for a long time, can sort of relate to the fact that for a lot of people, this is very stressful, especially if you have kids. I I saw the statistics that 30 days of using headspace can reduce stress. Only four sessions can help reduce burnout. I, I like I'm sign me up. I'm good. But for someone who thinks I need that cure, I need to get to that point, but meditation, I'm not really sure. Like, I don't know what that means. How, what help me understand and help someone who's listening to this understand, like not only the ten, tangible benefits, but walk us through that experience. Yeah. So I think that it's, it's helpful to look at it. Mindfulness and meditation side by side. So mindfulness, the ability to be more present and to be less distracted. We spend on average close to 50% of our life distracted, lost in thoughts about the past and the future. Most of us would like to be more present more of the time because when we are, we feel more relaxed. We tend to have a calmer mind and a clearer mind. But it's really hard just to say to someone, oh, just be more mindful, just be more present, just be less distracted. Um, so we need a tool and an exercise in which to train ourselves in mindfulness. That's all meditation is. It's like learning any new skill takes a little bit of practice, start small, do it often. And over time, we start to see the benefits. And you're absolutely right. You know, you don't have to take my word kind of for it. The body of science around mindfulness now is so extensive. I think it's interesting. There's kind of two parallel tracks. There's two and a half thousand years of anecdotal evidence. Uh, like normally things aren't around that long unless they're working well for a good number of people. Um, and now we've got over the last sort of what, 10, 15, 20 years, a body of science, which is, you know, the scientific research is really sort of catching up with that. And at Headspace, we 
We have over 70 clinical trials in the pipeline. 25 are finished. They're peer-reviewed. They're published. We know that Headspace helps to reduce stress. It helps to reduce anxiety. And it can help to reduce burnout. But it's also some of the other things that, for me, have been kind of more interesting. Jason, it's kind of reducing irritability and aggression. A lot of people I have spoken to, um, aggression might feel like a very strong word, but here I'm just talking about kind of like that irritability and frustration. A lot of people over the last six months have definitely seen a big uptick in that. Um, we know that it helps to increase empathy and compassion. Again, as we are squashed together in these households, whether it's with housemates, flatmates, um, family members, things naturally kind of get quite stressful and being able to step out of that inner chatter, that inner narrative where we're winding ourselves up and it is then expressed in a very often a very sort of reactionary way to those around us. Having the ability to step out of that is really, really valuable. I think my kids are going to be glad that we did this interview because irritability, I can, I can relate. I mean, I don't know anybody in this house who's irritable, but we'll move on. Switching gears just a tiny bit, obviously, Headspace as a as a company has gone through the same thing that everyone else is going through. So I'm curious, you know, is this how do you guys dog food your own, you know, your own stuff? Yeah, yeah. This has been, you know, a really interesting time. I think, um, and as a team, we've kind of felt this. And I'll explain a little bit more about sort of how we how we work sort of internally. But I think even just over the last six months. You know, not only did we see a doubling in downloads, we saw a 500% increase in companies kind of reaching out for Headspace for work. I think just a reflection, as you would expect, of just how much sort of people, people are struggling. And for us, that's been, you know, on the one hand, it's great to see meditation and mindfulness reach more people, but it's also a reflection that people are really struggling. And that obviously doesn't sort of feel, feel so good. So I think it's, we're all um, sort of very focused on helping others but we try to kind of walk the walk internally as well and it's something everything from when we first designed the office to creating meditation pods creating mindful rest spaces where people could go at any time we stop at 10 a.m every morning we stop at 3 p.m every afternoon for 10-15 minutes so that people they don't have to meditate they can do other some some other kind of form of relaxation or mindfulness but we try to ensure that all the recommendations that we're suggesting to others, whether it's sort of individual consumers at home or whether it's work, larger workplaces and organizations, that we're adopting those ourselves and we're making sure that they, that, they, that they work well, you know. And I feel like that's part of the power of meditation and mindfulness. It is through direct experience that we come to know the benefits. And when you've done it and you felt those benefits, there's nothing kind of more persuasive than that to, to share that with someone else and to sort of create that compelling invitation. And this feels like it's a time when, whether by necessity or by some level of emotional intelligence, people have been making changes that are turning, you know, we all started this back in March thinking, oh, okay, we're going to be home for two weeks or four weeks. And then it became six months, right? And there's really no end in sight. And, and the benefits that you're describing from meditation feel like they really come when it becomes a habit. I don't know if, if I'm hearing you correctly. So it feels like this is the time to do that, to start that. Yeah, I think it, it's an interesting thing. When you look at the signs, like, you know, there, yes, they're all this. You mentioned the, the burnout in, in healthcare workers. So, so there's like four sessions 
we measured four sessions and that was a, a decrease in burnout at 14%. For me, okay, interesting stat. Uh, it points in the right direction, but the real benefits are where we make it kind of part of a regular practice. It's interesting. I think traditionally meditation and mindfulness was seen more as almost a practice of resilience. So how do you build up a resilience of health, of happiness in the mind, whereby no matter what happens, you feel ready to be able to cope with it and manage it. I think there's been a little bit as meditation and mindfulness has come to the West. It's a bit more kind of aspirin approach. It's like, right, let's go and get really, really stressed. We'll do some meditation to feel better. And then when we feel better, it's okay. We don't need meditation anymore. You know? So I think we're still, we're probably still a little bit in the aspirin phase, but definitely in the last six months, we've seen a huge shift towards that more sort of vitamin approach where we're building up a resilience so that we're ready. And I think as you were saying that I was actually downloading the Headspace app and, and here's the thing, it's an app. I love that. It's, I love that I can, I can do an app. I spend all day doing apps. I'm not in any way undermining it, but it, that makes it accessible, right? If with all due respect, if I had to seek out a Buddhist monk, that was not going to happen. <laughs> I just don't have time. And I don't even, I don't even know where to go. I mean, this is the first time I've spoken with one and it's, I've enjoyed this conversation, but the fact that you've made it available in such an accessible way, I think that's amazing. That's great. I mean, look, I, I, I went to the Himalayas, so you don't have to. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, it's the least I could do. Jason. I right. think when, when Rich and I um, first got together, you know, we, we actually, we didn't start with the app straight away. We actually started with events and we do events for anything between sort of two and 500 people. And people will come along and they say at the end of the day, amazing. I feel really inspired, but what do I do now? And it was kind of like, how do you ensure that people have those tools in their hand whenever they need them most? And the only kind of logical step, you know, was to, was to put it on an app and to make it more available. And yeah, the community now is, about 70 million strong and I, there is no way in the world. I mean, we've got a really strong work ethic, but there is no way in the world that we could have reached that many people. Yeah. And I think, and part of the reason I downloaded it is I actually thought the most significant thing from the perspective of reducing the stress in my life honestly came when I bought an Apple watch because it tells me to breathe. And like, that seems so silly. And if you, and the reason I bring that up is you said you have to have, have the experience to really understand the benefit. And, and if I just describe that to somebody, they're like, your watch told you to breathe. I don't get it. But it, but at that prompt, I stopped what I was doing. I did it. And I'm like, dude, it's addictive because if I felt better and, I, and I'm not compl- comparing that it's the same thing. But the point is you some we need that help. We need someone to tell us this is what you need to do. hundred percent. There's such a big gap between what we know intellectually and what we feel and experience directly, right? So we could know that it's really healthy to remember to be aware of our breath and everything else. But unless we're actually doing that, it's just a nice idea. And we we never really kind of feel the benefit. Same is true of, of meditation for sure. And so if I understand, at least based on the current news that Microsoft is announcing, if organizations are using Microsoft Teams, they will have access to something related to Headspace within Teams. Is that right? That's, that's correct. So there'll, there'll be, there are a number of different sort of options with, within that. Um, but there's, 
I, I think the focus, you know, and it's the same for us internally as well at, at Headspace. We see a huge number of users um, take advantage of Headspace at the start of the day and at the end of the day, um, and many more who are looking for how do they break up the day? Because it's interesting. I think, again, there's, it's almost like this kind of vitamin sort of aspirin sort of idea, but very often we'll see kind of a big, you know, people become increasingly clear and calm when they sit and meditate. But that might be like, what, five, 10 minutes a day? Like, what about the other 23 hours and 50 minutes? So we, we sort of see this spike where people become more mindful and then it could sort of go all over the place. And I think it's like, how do we start creating these, these moments throughout the day that connect morning and evening so that we kind of feel more stable? And therefore, we're not trying to catch up as we move towards the end of the day, we're not getting into that spot where we feel overwhelmed or overly stressed. And we're actually that much more able to relax, unwind and go to sleep, have a restful night's sleep when we get home at night. Now, I think the sleep part of it is so interesting because I think that, that I actually wrote a piece for Inc. about why you should take a nap. The power nap is a superpower because so many people go through that. And as I'm thinking about it, I still like naps. I have four children. Leave, you know, leave me alone. But but I'm but the point is my suggestion was you just need to plan that as a part of your day, but I love the idea of being intentional. I mean, that's essentially what being mindful is, right? Being intentional about your own, right? And so do you you, you talked about the increase in the downloads and the increase in all that. My my question is, do you think that and I don't just mean for Headspace as a as a app or as an organization. Do you think that the awareness that people have of this importance is something that is an upward trend and is going to continue? Yeah, I think no question. And I, and I think I genuinely think um, COVID has probably accelerated that by two or three years. Um, you know, we're we're seeing sort of patterns of behavior now that we weren't expecting to see for for another two or three years. Um, so I think there was already a movement. If you look back over the last 10 years, I think there's been a, a shift just generally in the conversation around mental health. I think people are much more comfortable and confident about talking about the challenges of mental health. I think there's been a much wider adoption, primarily down to science, but also just more and more kind of people talking about it in general culture of, of meditation. Um, and, and now kind of we're starting to see workplaces kind of recognize that as well. So I do, I do think there was already a very strong trend. I think this has simply accelerated it. I think more and more workplaces are going to have to make sort of health, and men, including mental health, a really key part of their sort of well-being strategy. With people not necessarily together in the office, it becomes even more important. I don't know, you know, it's different in every organization, but as much as there are a group of people out there who are very grateful not to be commuting and to be able to work from home, I know there are a lot of people out there really challenged by being at home, by not having a place to, to go to work sort of each day and maybe not even being in a safe or a conducive place at home. So I think it's going to be more and more important for, for workplaces to provide. that. Yeah. And I, I was actually speaking with a, a CEO last week, a, who is an introvert and who said, I love this, right? Everyone leaves me alone. But I also know that the people that we hire in fresh out of college, they hate this because one of the most important things for them 
isn't just the work that they get to do. It's the interactions and the connections and the relationships. Yeah. And, and that culture as well, right? I mean, some, some businesses have been around for a long time. They, they have a strong culture. A lot of the people already know one another and those relationships continue. A lot of businesses, especially younger businesses, that culture is still perhaps developing. Um, and there's a lot of hires being made where people don't even kind of know each other. They've never, they've actually never met. So that's a very different dynamic to maintaining a pre-existing relationship with a colleague. So I do, I do think there are all kinds of, of challenges there and uh, we're all um, learning as we go, I think. So do, as, a, as kind of a wrap up, you, you told me earlier, and I appreciate that you went to the Himalaya, so I don't have to because I can't imagine going with four children and a wife and a labradoodle. But so I, I do appreciate that. Um, but in seriousness, what if someone is listening to this, what do you suggest that they, you know, I, I, I hesitated to tell them to stop listening earlier because I wanted them to hear this whole conversation. But now that we're done, what, what would you just suggest they do? What's a good first step? So look, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm a little biased. But I mean, I, I would down just try it. Even if you think, even if you think meditation is not something for you, just download the app. It's free to download. It's free to try. You can use it for a while and kind of see, see how you go. I always say to people, don't judge it on one session. That's the equivalent of like going to, to the gym for five minutes, running on a treadmill, saying, ah, it's not really for me. <laughs> I get it. It's uncomfortable to run on a treadmill. But in just the same way, whether you say a week or 10 days, just give yourself enough time to recognize how it feels to stop, whether it's for three minutes a day, five minutes a day, or 10 minutes a day. Most people within a few days, not only start to feel the benefits, but also start to wonder, how is this something that I've not been doing for a really long time in my life? You know, it's, it's like night and day, the difference. And it is very different from, and even the science shows us, it's very different from simple relaxation. It's a different feeling and the benefits are different from simply sitting down, listening to music, turning on Netflix, whatever else we kind of might do. So making time to look after the mind for me, I think is one of the most important things we can do for ourselves. I love that. I love in, in some ways, sometimes the most productive thing that we can do is, is nothing, right? It's not exactly to be doing, that. not to, to exactly resist the that. urge to be doing something. So, yeah. Andy, thank you so much. Is, I really appreciate you joining me. I please give my apologies to Rich for the demotion. <laughs> I do appreciate you coming on. It's a pleasure. Is, I've downloaded the app. I'm I, you have my word. I'm going to give it a try. Thanks, Thanks so Jason. Thank Thanks, you so much. Thanks for having me on.